It was a dark October night, and you're listening to the Brackish Podcast with your host, Knock Cliff. Oh, welcome everyone to the Brackish Podcast. We already told you who we are, so we're just going to get right into it. This is season two, so if you stayed with us this long, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. And we're going to do something that we did last season uh, again. Yeah. And it was your favorite episode, right, Cliff? It was bookish. You, you. I think I did the whole thing, didn't I? You did. Yeah. Yeah, you would you asked and pleaded to do a bookish. I did, yeah. Episode. I mean, some ghost stories. I mean, uh, what's New Orleans without ghost stories? That's and very what's true. a better time to do it yes. than around Halloween? It is. It is. Was this so, before me? I'm trying to remember. It was before Lynn. This is a. Uh, it was like a trans. She did. I think it was like episode ten of season one. Lynn did episode seven, God, her first yeah. episode. She might have been there. I think she was there. We got to go back and look. We do have to go. I was at Knox Place. I may have been. You were, you were I there. I almost wasn't here for this one. Uh, you, you're almost not here. Yeah. We zoomed her in uh, because she's a working woman who sometimes gets tired, okay? She is. So, welcome, Lynn, uh, via the World Wide Web. I appreciate you guys tolerating me. I really do. Listen, just make sure... That you don't show your genitalia like Tubin did, okay? I will do my best to keep my clothing on my body. That's good. Oh my god. Yes, yes. Oh, you ain't got no pants on, girl. We know. <laughs> we know. Uh, so we're gonna get this started off as we have been doing lately, and Cliff ruins the song. Cliff gonna ruin the song. Cliff ruin the song. Hey. Gonna ruin a song. Ooh. <sighs> okay. Are you gonna help me out with this? W- yes, we're gonna help help him out. I mean, we could. Let's give the audience a little heads up too, so they can help you out. Great. All right. So, I don't remember if it's Amendment Eight or if it's. It, I know it's the eighth deal on the ballot. It's after the seven amendments where it's sports wagering. Yes. In Louisiana, we do not have sports wagering, uh, believe it or not. So they're trying to change the law to allow people in Louisiana to wager or bet on sports. Yeah. But a lot of people already do it anyway. Yeah. So our state is awful and they don't, <laughs> they haven't done it yet, which is stupid <laughs> because the revenue coming in for that is just absurd. So... In light of Halloween, mm-hmm. we're going to sing along to the Monster Mash. Ooh, okay. Oh. But this song is called Monster Cash. Oh, I get it. I get it. I'm ready. I'm so ready. As the audience, we have to do the first one. Okay, so you ready? The Monster Cash. We'll lose some Monster Cash. The Monster Cash. And an economy crash. And an economy crash. <laughs> We'll do some monster cash. The monster cash. Oh. <laughs> 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 it's 
So if you don't vote, then we will go broke. <laughs> that was off the top of the head. Anyway. So Louisiana will lose some months of cash. Listen, I came up with it three hours ago, okay? Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Uh, and you also have a gripe against a certain song and a certain Joe Jackson. Yeah, uh, so this is not... Shoeless Joe Jackson? Oh, good reference. No. It, it he probably would sound better, but uh we discussed previously on a, a brackish midweek Zoom call that we would go over songs that we just hate or just awful. We think they're I don't know why they get airplay still, maybe because they're cheap. Yeah. Uh but um for me it's Joe Jackson stepping out and it's not related to Michael Jackson or any of the Jacksons. This is a white Joe Jackson stepping out. What's crazy. You've heard this song. You've heard this song before and you just don't even know the name of it at all. No. And you don't understand that he, he wrote the song on the same keyboard that you had as a kid that only had like 15 keys on it. <laughs> I have heard this song, but it wasn't until the... Da, 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 da. So this is the Braggish Podcast bet. We bet that you cannot get to the third verse of this song without losing your absolute mind and changing the radio dial as quickly as possible. And so here at Biffington Estates, we got uh, we have some speakers, and I was watching football on Tuesday night. Um, after we zoomed last week and all of a sudden it starts blaring so mrs biff from upstairs when she got out the shower was screwing with me and started playing this like on the overhead speakers downstairs <laughs> just because she knows how much you love it oh yeah oh my god big fan that's what wives are for yeah of course yeah it's give and take <laughs> We're getting off track here uh, with our musical tracks of the evening. Uh, so we're we're going to get down to this bookish podcast with our scary stories. And again, we're going to do this uh, differently this week or this month, wherever we're going to do. And we're each going to come with a story. So you got the notes. You got the highlights. First story. <laughs> There's really not a paper trail and really not an actual arrest in this case so that's why this urban legend slash folklore story has remained around new orleans for a while but a lot of people may not know about the devil man of algiers so in fall of 1938 word began circulating around new orleans about a mysterious nighttime figure who looked like a man but depending on whose versions you heard. He either had a horn on his head, two horns coming out of his forehead. Uh, he also had the ability to just appear out of thin air and also the ability to just disappear. So some people described him as having long black horns, bright pink ears, and eyes like a chicken, which I don't, I 
whatever chicken eyes look like. I haven't looked at a chicken in a while, but he can make himself it's on both sides of your head. One on oh, yeah, so it's like spaced out eyes. eyes. Got it. Oh, that's yeah. freaky. Or would they be like big eyes, like big old bubbly? Maybe eyes. big bug eyes. Big old Maybe big. both. Maybe that's just the next step in human evolution. <laughs> so, so hence, he was deemed the devil man. So the story spread like wildfire and residents on both sides of the river, Algiers on the West Bank, even on the East Bank where the French Quarter is and Mid-City and the Marigny, all we uh, are. Uh, but particularly Algiers, they were thrown into mass hysteria. Uh, this prompted news headlines, newspaper headlines, obviously, back in 1930. And the first mention of this was published in September of 1938 in the New Orleans Item. It was the headline was the Devil Man West Bank Tale, and the first sentence was, "Have you had your fantasy today? No? Then how about trying the Devil Man? It's going great guns on the West Bank." So it was in the paper. It was in the paper. Okay, that's how much craze this started in in, in 1938. So the article uh, relates a story about a local woman who was dancing with a man at a West Bank hall when she suddenly noticed that a horn was protruding from his forehead. Now, to me, how did she miss that when they started dancing? You know, I was dancing with a girl one night, and then the lights came on. I saw she had a horn, too. That's so, true. So. Yeah, I mean, I've had that plenty of times, but the horn was in my pants. Uh, so, <laughs> and unfortunately, the lights came on. So, uh, <laughs> So the guy was arrested, even though that's why I said the, the story starts out. There wasn't like a clear arrest. This guy was arrested and he was placed in jail. But according to the story, when the jailer turned around to walk out of the jail, devil man was on the sidewalk. So he locked him up in the, in the jail, turned around, walked to the sidewalk. The guy who locked up was standing right there. I believe it. So the police officer drew his gun and fired from point blank range, but the bullets bounced off this guy. And the guy bent over, picked up the bullets, and slung them back at the police officer. Now I don't know how, I don't know if that would have done anything except for, you know, just be aggravating. Right. What is that like? But it didn't kill the police No, it was like a 50 mile an hour bullet. Who, I mean, that's not nothing. It's like right. throwing a rock at somebody. Okay. Yeah, so, that'd be assault. Yeah, <laughs> well, of course. But then you could disappear <laughs> out of thin air and you wouldn't know where you was. Yeah. So the guy from West Wego, the uh, city marshal, who was the arresting officer, when he was asked about that night because the story was spreading, he said, a lot of baloney. So he didn't want to, I, I don't know if he, if it was true and he just didn't want to bring it attention to it or he just said it's all false. So the officer who supposedly fired the shots said a lot of baloney. Yeah. But that was it. That was it. That's all he would respond to. Huh. So another story. Is one night a man and his wife were coming home from a dance hall in their automobile and they were stopped by a man who asked for a ride. The woman didn't like his looks, so the guy was refused. Ten miles later, the same guy appeared. And the couple became nervous and they threw, well, it's, it, apparently they had liquor in the car, so I guess they may have thought it was like police officers or something. So they threw liquor out of the car before they saw this, before they got close to the guy. Ten miles later, they stopped once more, and it was the same guy, but he didn't ask for a ride. He just changed himself into a devil, 
And of course, at that point, the woman fainted. And somehow, the guy driving the car managed to keep the car going on the road. And the devil man made a fourth appearance, this time riding a horse. But the guy driving the car was like, screw this crap, and floored it and got away. That's it. That's their story. What if they had some really good drinks at that dance hall? They may have. (laughs) I'm getting to a real good moral of the story at the end. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, and how much liquor were they throwing out of the car before we think, hmm, how much liquor did you have in your stomach? I don't know. I mean, I've had, you know, some nights, but I've never seen the devil every 10 miles. Four times? Yeah. Wow. Literally on horseback. Yeah. Sure, the devil was on horseback. Sure, you were. We thought he was the police. Yeah. So, at this point, the police were getting calls every day about sightings of this devil man, who reportedly, this is my one of my favorites, he reportedly used his powers of disappearance to skip out on multiple bar tabs. Everyone's got it. Everyone knows a person like that. So, he would also cause... Uh, just mayhem at like local dances, dances and uh, dance halls and public gatherings. So he was just creating ruckus all over the city. And the Times Picayune carried a front page story, and uh, the police were trying to suppress all these like fears and phone calls. So the Times Picayune ran a story and an arrest of a man that called himself Lord Harold. And the description in the story was called 30 years old and no horns. So local residents insisted this guy was the devil man. So the police found this guy, booked him with loitering. And he was said to have done some masquerading and worn horns, carrying himself out on both sides of the river and caused more than one scare in Algiers. So... All this guy got, so they, they they arrested him for loitering. So they basically said, pay the $10 fine, you can go. We arrested you. We're just trying to make the public, you know, calm down. The guy refused to pay the fine. So he was thrown in jail for 30 days. <laughs> and did he get out? Wait and see. Okay. But oh. the hysteria raged on. On the same day, they announced the arrest of Lord Harold. The New Orleans States, I assume this was a uh, newspaper or maybe another sort of magazine or something, published a report that a near riot broke out at Joseph A. Craig School, which is still there today. It's an elementary school in Treme, where older students spread the word that the devil man was in the school's basement. So younger kids were frightened to death and they tried to run out of the building. Someone shouted, devil man. And so that just scared, that, that was one of the scares that brought it, uh, just fear to Treme. And a day later, another man, 22-year-old Reginald Hughes of St. Anne Street, was picked up by police for firing a gun twice in the air at the corner of St. Anne and Liberty Streets. And he claimed self-defense. So what he told the police was, I did it to keep away the devil man. <laughs> so this guy just... <laughs> fired shots in the air and said, I did it to keep away the devil man. Uh, Well, guess what? The devil man didn't show up, but the police did. 
and Reginald was booked with discharging a firearm within the city limits. <laughs> but did the devil man show up? No. No. Problem so solved. Maybe, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but he probably disappeared before the police showed up, and then Reginald was just sitting there with who fired a gun off. So obviously, the rumors keep coming, and then one report was that there was a birth of a devil baby with horns and all at an unspecified address. And all these phone calls were still continuing to be made to the police about the devil man and this horned baby. And this one woman of Ursuline Avenue called the police after she received a phone call of an unknown voice that told her the devil man was coming to kill her at 8 p.m. that night. So the police showed up to the house at 8, but the devil man did not. And almost... So this is just stories upon stories of just going through of how this people created this hysteria, called the police, nothing happened. A month later, there was a front page story about the New Orleans mayor at the time, it was Robert Maestri, showed up to a construction site to where uh, the city was helping this church, Lakeview Presbyterian Church at the corner of Katina and Polk. Uh, I think they I guess they were either rebuilding it or building an addition to it. I didn't really look into it that much, but the arrangement was the city would provide the labor via prisoners and the church would handle the rest of it. So they, they got everything else. When Maestri got there, he found himself face to face with the devil man. Now, y'all remember the dance hall incident? Yes. You remember Lord Harold skipping out on bar tabs? Yes. Well... This is the guy who refused the $10 fine and was thrown in jail for 30 days. Mm -hmm. So he winds up being on this prisoner detail to help construction. This guy's name is Carleton Clark. And this is where it gets really weird. So he tells Maestri, I am no longer Carleton Clark. I'm Carleton Carl. The King of Mars has decreed it. It is a better title for me. And I know it's weird. Maestri's response was, who's the king of Mars? And Carleton's response is, he is a mighty monarch, sometimes known as the king of Zulu, not related to the Mardi Gras Zulu. He is, according to the prophecy of Dale, you know, he has a queen, the queen of the Southern Range. I know you are a great man. I have contacted great men among the president of this district. He then, the... Uh, Devil man then added, I would appreciate it that you release me from this incarceration. I assure you that it will receive gratification if they extricate me from the hall of detention. <laughs> so the mayor was like, Ooh. you're full of shit and <laughs> I'm not releasing you. Who gave you drugs to come on this construction site? Uh, which is basically what I got from reading the story. So when it came time for the devil man slash Lord Harold slash Carleton to be released from jail in November, Maestri paid the guy a visit in jail right before he was supposed to be released. And he was hoping that all this devil man crap would go away. And he sat down with him and he said, Maestri said, I understand the boys around here are scared of you. Do you plan to stick around? And the devil man said he had no means to get out of town. And Maestri said, well, I'll help you and reached into his pocket and gave him $3, which in 1938 is equivalent to about $55 in 2020. And he also gave him a suit. And he said, now, are you sure you're going? 
And the devil man said, sure, mayor. And that was it. Maestri's plan worked. And the devil man disappeared from New Orleans and from all the newspaper headlines. That's it. Put him on a bus out of town. Yeah, that's it. That's all it took. Devil man's gone. Yeah, not a crazy ending like everyone would think. Yeah, that's it. That's all he did it for. And the moral of this story for everyone listening is don't do drugs. (laughs) Jesus. If you listen to anything of this, clearly Carlton was on some psychedelics. I mean, just crazy. Big time, big time. And how crazy is that? Like now if you're on psychedelics, people be like, if you got arrested, be like, oh, it's another guy on psychedelics. 1938? This guy caused a mass hysteria in an entire town or city at that point. Right. Like he made everyone go crazy just by hearsay. At that point, sometimes you accidentally take psychedelics. Like I didn't know that moldy bread would make me see things. My bad. That's true. It could have been an accidental thing. It was, or it could have just been some crazy man. It was the first instance of kids doing like a bomb scare at their school so they can get out of class. Oh, yeah. First instance on the bot podcast again. Tripping on hallucinogenic. <laughs>
please come visit New Orleans, y'all. But yeah, so 732 Royal Street was at one point uh, the spot for the, or the original home of the bottom of the teacup room where one can get their fortunes and palms and things read like that. And in this building is the ghost of a Miss Julie. Ooh. Julie is a, um, a very, we'll say friendly ghost. She likes to mess with people when they come through the building and such, but she ended up a ghost in that building because originally 732 Royal Street was her home. Julie was a beautiful young woman who was engaged in the act of placage that I talked about last time where um, rich white men, wealthy white men would keep a, a woman of color as a mistress on the side. And she was often considered pretty elite. She was considered, you know, worthy of his attention and any children they would have were treated as equals. So Julie really, for all intents and purposes, kind of had a sweet deal. You know, she wasn't anyone's slave necessarily, but she was a kept woman. This, uh, her, her man really loved her. He spent a lot of time with her. But the one thing that she could never ever have was his out in the streets kind of love. He would spend time with her at the beautiful home they, they had together. He would invite friends over to spend time at this home, but she was never allowed to be in the room with the friend. She was never allowed to go out with this man that she loved. And that really drove her crazy. So one day Julie and her lover got into a lover's quarrel over this because all she wanted was to be married, but he couldn't do that. He actually had a wife and um, though he had been with Julie for 17 years. He still wasn't willing to leave his wife. She happened to be very well to do. This is all part of the story. We actually don't know his name. We don't know his wife's name because the only person you hear about this through is Julie, the ghost who happened to tell her story to people who would tell fortunes at the bottom of the teacup room. So according to Julie, sometime around Christmas time, she had had enough of being second fiddle and she told him that he had to make up his mind. She ultimatumed him. She had, he had to choose either his wife or her. And just out of sheer exasperation, he says, you know what? Prove to me you love me. If you can spend the night on the roof of this very house I bought you without a stitch of clothing on your body, if you can make it through the whole night like that, sure, baby, I'll marry you. And before Julie could answer, there was a knock on the door and there were the friends that he had been hanging out with all night, getting a little too tipsy. They kind of let themselves in. So the, the lover, so the lover allows his friends to come in. He brings them to the second floor of the house where he entertains them. They're playing games, they're drinking drinks, they're shooting shots until early, early morning. Oh, he goes to bed and realizes the bed isn't just not slept in. It hasn't been slept in at all. So he starts to poke around the house to see where Julie is, to see where she's pouting because apparently she was known for these little pouty temper tantrums um, doesn't find her anywhere eventually he goes to the attic attic window is open and he thinks oh no she actually did it and the reason he thinks so oh no is because it had been incredibly cold that night 
Normally in New Orleans, we don't get a whole lot of cold, but according to legend that night, there was a lot of sleet and hail and wet and cold. So he goes onto the roof, almost slips off himself, it's so slick. And eventually, right around the chimney, finds the body of Julie, naked, cold, frozen, dead, trying to prove that she had enough love for this man that he should marry her. And from that night on, Julie makes her, made her presence known in the house. Dang. She never left. She never left. So the, she never left. So the people that are in the tea room now talk and hear from Julie? They do. So apparently Julie shows up when you talk about her because she likes to be the center of attention. That's all she wanted from this man in the first place was all of his attention. So if you talk about her, she shows up. Sometimes she's visible. Sometimes she'll walk from the room you're in into another room. She'll run your fingers up the back of your neck or she'll ruffle the edges of skirts or stuff like that. And she likes to play pranks on people. She thinks it's a, a, a jolly good time to prank people. Whoa. Whoa. Cliff's, Mrs. Cliff went to the tea room not too long ago, right? We were- She did. Before all this COVID stuff, I think it was maybe January or maybe even a little bit before then, so. Whew. So if you're in New Orleans, don't go on those ghost tours, go to the tea room and ask about Julie, right? Well, they apparently they moved. I think they're on. I think they're on Charter Street now. Oh, why would why would if you're if you're a place that's a fortune telling place, why would you ever move away from where there's a, definitely a spirit? Well, from my experience this week, it's because your landlord wants too much rent. Oh, <laughs> the rent is too damn high. So I wonder. I wonder what's there now because Julie can't leave. So I'm very interested to see. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Like ghosts can decide to leave sometimes. There's another really great chef in the city named Amy Sins who has the uh, spaghetti ghost that she brings with her. The first school that she opened had a ghost in it and she had to go do some business affairs and the ghost started to cause all kind of ruckus for her helpers. So she asked the ghost to live in this box of spaghetti and she travels around with him now and he gets to see the world. Say what? That's not true. That, I, she swears she's got a spaghetti ghost. I forget what his name is. He was an old Sicilian man. He lives in the spaghetti? Has anybody ate the spaghetti? He lives in her box of spaghetti. No, ghosts don't need to eat. It's a me. <laughs> Does she open it up like a genie? <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, we're in Italy. <laughs> Come back in. We gotta go. Does she, yeah, she had to like rub the box three times or... Damn it, now he's gonna come haunt my house. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Oh my gosh. Very good story. Very good story, Lynn. Thank you so much. I couldn't imagine like living, you know, if you moved into some place and just being okay with a ghost walking around. Like even if it was cool to you. Like, yeah, everything's cool. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to hang out here. And, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I wish that I would go into a ghost sighting like I do going into seeing, like, watching Casper versus watching Freddy Krueger. You know, like, 
Oh, you're about to see a ghost today, but it's a friendly ghost. Don't worry. He's got some mean uncles, but don't worry. Yeah. This ghost is friendly. I'd be cool with that. But just to see a ghost? Oh, hell no. No, like, if you watch The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's kind of... Oh, we're watching Bly Manor right now. It's legit. Don't say... Which one is it? What did you watch? I'm not. It's the second I'm one. Not. Oh, yeah, I like it. I didn't finish the it. The prequel. Yes. Anyway. Hill House was so well written. It was well written and it was so beautifully shot. There was that one episode where you had like a 10 minute long single shot that moved through like seven different flashbacks. Oh. Yeah. Oh. That was so well done. My favorite is this movie called Deadly Friend. Watched it a lot uh, when I was a kid. And it's about this kid. We'll call him a nerd alert. He makes his own robot. The robot named BB. And he's also got this next door neighbor who's this blonde girl. So he's fallen in love with the blonde girl. He's got BB. And, but, uh, he start as he's hanging out with this girl. He he realizes that her dad's pretty abusive, and one night the girl gets pushed down the stairs and breaks her neck. I guess. I think he finds her, and he winds up inputting the robot that he created, the chip of the robot, into the girl. I guess the robot is now and the and the girl have just combined into one mindset and are just hate anyone that messes with the boy mm-hmm. so there's this woman across the street this old freaky grandmother that's got this like overgrown front yard and it's a freaky house on the street best scene ever i think prove me wrong fact check me grandma comes out with a shotgun tells the kids to get away uh the robot slash friend the girl gets a basketball and throws it at the grandma's head and the head explodes. It's wonderful. It's absurd. Anyway, at the end, spoiler alert, you're not going to watch it. They deem the girl dead, I guess. I guess the robot chip malfunctions, quote unquote. So the girl's actually dead. And then the end of the movie, it shows in the morgue. Uh, <clears throat> they pull her body out. And right when they do this close up on her face, the eyes open and then it cuts to black. Oh, it's nice. And what is his name of the movie again? That's pretty good. Deadly Friend. Nice. (laughs) So those of you still listening, Austin, she had to uh, deal with some uh, mom issues at home. So we'll get her back on the next podcast. Uh, She had to dip out. She had to dip low on us uh, real quick. COVID. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Down to the last one of the night. And this is going to be pretty uh, pretty quick. Uh, but I'm also doing, I'm taking a little uh, thing out of you, bro. And I'm going to ruin a song. Sweet. And uh, He's got, Knox got no notes. I got no notes. No notes. Because it's a pretty quick story, okay. too. Uh, and... Uh, You're a mean one, Mr. Grunch. Ooh. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly.
lovely as a cactus, you're as charming as an eel. Mr. Grunch. You're a bad banana. So this story is about the New Orleans tale of something called the Grunch. And we're not you asked about Benny Grunch and the Bunch. I did. Uh, this is not Benny Grunch and the Bunch. Uh, but it has to do with Grunch Road. And that's where they think uh, this story really originated. All right. Okay. And this grunch is like uh, the, the, the legs of like a goat, but like as tall as like a, a small man, four to like five feet. Okay. Grunch Road is no longer a place, but many people say in Little Woods in New Orleans East. Okay, but uh, honestly, if you find yourself at night in New Orleans East, the grunch is the least of your worries, to be honest with you. Very true. Okay. Uh, no knock to anyone who lives out there. It's not the same East as it uh, once was. And uh, I think someone got shot on uh, just driving by the other day going through the East. Yeah, that's the latest. The latest one. At, imagine one of those little dog looking beasts that doesn't really have a dog face but like a sucker for a face with a razor sharp fangs to it Jeez. yeah horned and everything and if there is a goat don't stop and help help the goat all right the grunch is trying to fool you suck the blood right out of you so the people that lived out there, there's many tales that go with the grunch. I'll tell you one right now. Uh, there were some people that were kind of shifted out or pushed out. Exiled. Uh, exiled of New Orleans because they were kind of gypsies, you know. Uh, dwarves, albinos, they lived off of Grunch Road. And it was thought that this inbreed created the grunch. And the grunch sucked the blood out of anyone that it found. Uh, on the roads at night. Think about that like back in the day though, like your wagon mm -hmm. didn't go that fast. No. So even if you saw this grunch and were like, no, nah, we're not going to pick it up. You're only going about two miles an hour. I think the grunch would probably catch up to you, probably eat the horse. Well, another tale comes from the grunch and it has to Marie Laveau, they say, created a baby devil. So Marie Laveau helped someone but also harmed someone. There was a curse placed on this woman and Marie Laveau, they say, cut the testicles off of the devil baby. No. And it created two grunches, one male and one female. These beasts. And and I'm guessing they're still breeding today. Oh. Who knows? All right. So that was the two tales of the grunch. So if you're in New Orleans East, in Little Woods, drive as fast. They say the grunch still lives in that area. And sightings of the grunch happened during Hurricane Katrina and a little bit after that. So imagine this beast that has goat legs and is about four to five feet tall walking around New Orleans East how can we say that the grunch doesn't exist that's true I mean think grunch like testicles 
the Grunch likes everything. And they say that the Grunch even got into a fight with Marie Laveau and knocked her down. So much so that she was like knocked out. She came to and the Grunch was gone. And that's when she was like, I'm going to have a devil baby cut his testicles off. No, no, it was after she cut the testicles off. It grew the Grunch babies Mm. and then the Grunch attacked her. Well, this is, if anyone wants Grunch babies, just cut your testicles off. (laughs) I think that's the moral (laughs) of the story, right? (laughs) Or sacrifice one to have one Grunch baby. Ooh. Keep the other. You know, Lance Armstrong. Yeah. You can have one. It happens. All right, so email us at thebraggishpodcast at gmail.com if you cut your testicles off and it does or does not grow a grunch. Yeah, and don't, no photos. Yeah, if you, I mean, photos, please. Come on. We definitely want proof or GTFO, right? Yeah. So if your name, if your last name's Tubin and you expose <laughs> yourself or masturbate on a Zoom call, you should email us your junk. And let's see if one of your testicles was cut off and there's a grunch running around somewhere. What are you... You love the Tubin story <laughs> too much. so absurd. It God. really is. It really is. It's, it just, it's 2020. That's it. It's a 2020 story. It's even better than Anthony Weiner. I mean, imagine if Tubin's last name was like Dong or... I don't know, flopper, you know, whatever. Just, I mean, I guess Tubin works. <laughs> Tubin definitely works for. So, moral of the story is if your last name has any sort of innuendo with a wiener description, <laughs> just stay away from cameras, Zoom calls, video chats, whatever. You Sexting, have. of course. Yeah. Right. Just be careful. <laughs> oh, man. So, a lady named Boobs McGee, she can do whatever she pleases. Absolutely. Okay, okay. Yeah. I see what <laughs> Yeah, but if your name is Wiener McNutsack, just <laughs> stay away from <laughs> social media. <laughs> but anyway, I hope y'all liked our stories. A little bookish. A little scary, a little not, just a little ghost story, a little stories to get us through uh, the Halloween deal. And uh, I'm glad that um, here in New Orleans that we're allowed to have Halloween. It's a good thing. We are? Yeah. Okay, cool. We can get candy? Yeah. I don't know how much I trust it, but uh, just like with any year, I don't know if any should trust all the candy, but stay safe and, uh, you know. We'll see you next Tuesday. We will definitely see you next Tuesday. And you can find, uh, we're going to try to, you know, do a little promos on our Facebook page. We also have Instagram at the underscore brackish underscore podcasts on Instagram. Um, we are on radio.com, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you're our friends and you're listening to this and you see one of our posts, just like it. It'll help us out tremendously that other people might see it. So everybody who's getting those things, hey, did you register to vote? Maybe they'll see a Brackish podcast post instead and bring a little light and joy to them. And I've I've heard from people 
that they see our ads and they think that it's a fishing podcast. It is not. <laughs> Just click on it and see what it's about, okay? So you're saying we should have a different name? No, I think it's a great name. I think that uh, just people need to stop. They need to just look at the picture. Stop being so literal. Stop looking at the damn name and look at the picture and click on the link and figure out what we're about. That's it. What are we about? It's not that hard. You know how many people go online and just click on shit? Oh, look what they look like 30 years later. They get me every time. They I know. They get me every time. Maybe we need to make a link like that. And I'm like, David Hasselhoff looks the same. Stop <laughs> doing this. He does. <laughs> Him and what's her name? Christine Brinkley and Elizabeth Berkeley. Cher. They all look the same. I don't have. I don't know if anybody's ever had a Cher sighting in forever. So we maybe that's why we think she looks the same. Oh, I just saw a meme where it said something about... 2020's gotten all of us even share and it was a picture of Alice Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fantastic. We love you. There's share. a lot of those. Or it may have been Iggy Iggy Pop. Uh, one of those. Oh, it's wonderful. God. Anyway. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh. 2020's killing it. We're it, almost done with it, people. It is. Uh, we're two months away. Two and a half. Or almost two. Yeah. Let's just call it nine, ten weeks. Let's call it ten weeks. Let's also call it what it is now. Our lives. Just because another year flips the calendar does not mean any of this stuff is going to change. True. <laughs> Climate change will still be there. Coronavirus will still be there. It's not 2020's fault. Maybe it's our fault. No, I've seen a lot of stuff where... <laughs> Everything's ending November 4th, right? That's I, all my news is from Facebook. Don't I mean, you find it funny when people say that? Like, oh, it's all going to be gone November 4th. Ju- just you watch. Yeah. That's it. Just you watch. November 4th. Because November 3rd is Tuesday, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. the next day, yeah. just you watch. It's gone. Yeah. All right. Cool. Okay. What, what if it's not? It's like those people that like uh, predict doomsday. But it's like the opposite now. Like, well, it, I mean, yeah, it, it just depends. That's what the funny thing is: is it, it depends on who wins. And honestly, just vote local. The national stuff, it's fine. Vote who you want to vote for. Just remember, they're all puppets. I'm not trying to make this political. All I'm saying is they don't all do this thing by themselves. They they have tons of people, but the local government. Oh, make sure you make right decisions. Are you saying Cliff Biffington 2024? For president? I, yes, for Absolutely. President. Okay, good. Yeah, we're running. Dun, 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 dun. What kind of president would you be? <sighs> would you be like a hard ass, like the president's... Yeah, I'm going to bring back the beard for sure. Okay. I don't know. the la- Name me the last president who had a beard. That's a good point. Yeah. I would say uh, Roosevelt, Teddy. But I don't understand. Like, why is it, it's almost like a fashion trend? Like, why did the beard go out as being not presidential? Because you see a lot of old presidents, eighteen hundreds, mm-hmm. all of them rock. All beard. I think it's just a sort of social thing, and that's accepted nowadays. I think yeah. a beard might be. Some people think it's like a standoffish thing. Yeah. White House, 
craft beer station, obviously. Ooh, I like uh, that. Big bar. I don't know how big of a bar is in White House, but it needs to be. Right. Mahogany everywhere yeah. in this bar. Ice right? bar, you know, just the work. So I can just walk in and just be like, you know what I want. Yeah. The usual. <laughs> and then they name a drink after you yeah. called the usual. Yeah. Make it presidential. <laughs> If you don't, you're fired, and I'm gonna get somebody else to come in here. Do you think you'd be some some lashback from people if you had a bar in the White House? I don't think I don't think it'd be that bad, right? No, because there's already one in there. Let's be honest. Yeah, I know Trump. Well, actually, I don't know. I know Trump doesn't drink, but that doesn't mean Melania doesn't. Anybody else who works for him doesn't. We'll see. Yes. But politics aside, we're almost done. Uh. Yeah, to get your hopes up about COVID, yeah, it's it's gonna be here.